Hey everyone, a big welcome to the Forge Ahead Show, hosted by me, Nick Elston, inspirational speaker, creator of unique mental health engagement strategies, a transformational speaking coach, and a mentor to have in your corner. The Forge Ahead Show brings you the storytellers, the influencers, the people who have gone from adversity to excitement, forging something better, something beautiful, something powerful. So stay tuned. Dive in and be inspired by today's very special guest. Hey everyone and a big welcome back to the Forge Ahead Show, season two, episode 20. This season is absolutely flying by, but they're coming thick and fast. Another amazing, wonderful guest to bring you this week. Actually, I thank the lockdown and the pandemic for sending her my way because I didn't know her before then. So there's been some amazing things to happen from this as well. And I have the very, very big pleasure of introducing you to Helena Mitchell. Mitchell, Mitchell, big round of applause to Helena. Thank you very much. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very good. And I also don't edit. So even when I mess up, I'll keep it in. Good. <laughs> It's that authenticity thing, as we both talk about, that vulnerability thing. Yeah, screw it. Let's just do it. <laughs> so you are a voice actor, a voiceover artist. Now, on your LinkedIn profile, it says you're baking mad. I'm not sure if that's gone like a spelling mistake, but just check. No, no, I do. I got bake. Well, it was, it was a pun. Nice. It was a pun on the two. Because some people say I'm barking mad, but I also love to bake. So baking mad. And a farm girl. Yes. Farm girl. Grew tell up. tell us all about this stuff. Yeah, okay, let's start with the farm girl. You grew up on a farm? Yep, grew up on a farm in the middle of the Cotswolds, uh, 900 acre farm, no other kids. So just me and the cows um, <laughs> hanging out. Me and the cows hanging out every day. Uh, yeah, no, my brother, my older brother um, and me were the only kids on the whole farm. So wow. back in the night middle of the 90 1990s we didn't really do tv and stuff and my parents actually banned me from watching tv because especially tracy beaker i don't know if i or if we've got any tracy beaker fans here but um i was banned from watching it because i would go around telling my parents to bog off <laughs> i would start copying and i i really enjoyed her pranks so I would try and copy those pranks at home. So I was not allowed to watch it. <laughs> I love that. So <laughs> baking mad. Baking mad, yes. I like to make illusion novelty cakes. It's very strange. Um, so yeah, sorry, I, back up. Illusion novelty cakes. Yeah, so like a cake that doesn't look like a cake. So <laughs> the best one I did is, it's a shame I don't have a photo of you because I could show you. Um, is I made a burger cake for my brother because he loves burgers. And it was all completely edible and it was all cake, but it looked like a burger. Wow. So the, you had the sponge as the bread. Then you had, um, I did kind of like buttercream icing and piped it to make it look like lettuce. Then, don't know if you remember glacé cherries. Yes, that's a blast in the past. Oh, love a glacé cherry. <laughs> so I cut them in half and I made them look like tomatoes. And then the patty itself was a mixture of uh, Rice Krispies, marshmallow and chocolate mixed together. And then I like folded it into, molded it into like a patty shape. Then I had fondant cheese. Then I had strawberry jam as the ketchup. And then I had the other, the other oh. bun on top. Man, I'm hungry now. Already. Should have eaten before recording. I didn't know yeah. we were going to take this turn. To be fair, yeah. And then I did. Um, my granddad saw it and he was like, "Oh, this looks great." And his 90th birthday was coming up in May, and I so I said, "Granddad's like my favorite person ever." And I said, "Go on, Granddad. What would you like for your 90th birthday? I'll make you anything you want." He went, "Oh, just a flower plot with some edible flowers and edible soil." And I was like, "What? <laughs> okay." So I did it. I made edible flowers. Um, took me three and a half hours to hand create all the petals and make all the petals. And then I made edible soil. 
And the tricky thing is that it's all gluten-free and dairy-free as well. <laughs> I, I can't eat gluten or dairy. So, of course. Um, and I could have made it with gluten and dairy, but I thought if I'm going to spend all this time on this cake, I want a slice. Yeah, hell yeah, you're right. <laughs> absolutely it's see you mentioned actually it make it takes like hours to create these kind of masterpieces and my mum is is big into her baking she makes cakes for birthdays and stuff and she actually uses it kind of like to help with like her mental health really yeah i do it all the time that's what i use it for it's it's my kind of like because what i do for a living started off as my hobby as a child i'm one of those very lucky people that i'm doing what i love And I realized that I didn't have anything else. Mm. So very quickly, my work, which I loved, just became my life because I didn't have anything else. And so then my mum has always been an incredible baker, like growing up on the farm. She was one of those mums that would make all the bread, would make every single thing. Like, I don't think we ever bought anything from a shop. Like she would just (laughs) hand make everything. And so I kind of grew up with that and I used to do a little bit with her and then my granny, so my mum's mum is so good at baking cakes. And it's always, you know, whenever we went over to granny's, let's be honest, the motivation was because we knew we were gonna get a slice of granny's cake and you just couldn't beat it. So then I thought, well, why don't I give it a go? And I just realized that I loved it. But the thing that I loved about it was the baking side and being creative and using my love of being creative, which is what I do a lot in my work life, Mm. put those, I love to challenge myself as well. Like, as you know, I love to develop and grow and learn and learn new skills. And so I thought, well, why not challenge myself to make a burger out of cake and just see what happens. Mm. And then I not only get that satisfaction afterwards of I feel so good mentally, but I get that sense of achievement as well. Like going, I did that. Like I did not think that I could do it, but I did it and it tastes good. And (laughs) look at all these people that I've made happy in my family. You know, there's so many benefits. So I try and bake um, something crazy at least once a week. I love that. I I also find it quite ironic. You got told off about the Tracy Beaker thing because you spent a lot of time in kind of your formative kind of um, career move saying, uh, working in that kind of kids TV character yeah. kind of space. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I'm basically just a big kid. I never grew up and still haven't. And I just, I don't know, I just, that I'm sure everyone watching, everyone listening has that one thing in their life that sets them alight, that sets them on fire fire and they just can't describe it they're like I just love it and for me it's all things kids tv kids entertainment I just love the creation of it I genuinely as a 26 year old tonight I'm not going out to the pub no I'm sitting down and I'm watching a kids tv animation because I love it I love the way they're created I love the psychology behind it as an adult I can now kind of go Oh, you know, when you go to Panto as a kid, all these naughty jokes go over your head. (laughs) Then when you're an adult, you're going, oh, my gosh, like, can they say that? And all this sort of stuff, it gives it a new perspective. And I really love being able to um, be creative, be imaginative, help kids be imaginative, especially in this day and age where everything is given to them. Um, you know, and technology is great, but it's also taking away confidence of creativity and imagination and that freedom to play and be a child. Like 13 year olds look my age. <laughs> and yet I constantly dress like a five year old because I just don't want to grow up. So I'm all about the dungarees and bunches. I'm a child at heart. But yeah, so I just love the idea of being able to through a fun, creative, imaginative, engaging way that's entertaining for children, Mm. have a plat, there's an incredible platform to be able to help mental health in children as they grow up. You know, what's the point in starting mental health awareness when they're 14, 15, 16? Let's start it when they're three. Like the amount of things that we just subconsciously learn, do not kill someone. 
well, where did I learn that? Oh, because it's just something that was drilled into me from a child. You know, you just don't do it. And all that sort of stuff. It's such an incredible platform to create joy, create fun and laughter, but also create awareness. So that's actually what I'm currently doing is I've written a pilot show uh, for a kid. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, since we last so spoke, cool. I've written a pilot show um, and I've got it. It's in the process of being animated. Amazing. Um, yeah, so a pilot show all about um, raising the awareness of invisible illness and chronic conditions in kids. Um, because I, I don't feel that, you know, there's much out there. There's a lot out there for race, religion and physical disability. Yeah. But what about the kid that can't sit still in class or the kid that suddenly bursts into tears or doesn't want to talk to anyone? You know, there's so much social isolation, especially now with the pandemic. Mm. We just need to let kids know from a young age that, if that, if that girl that's out in the playground is your best mate, but in class she can't sit still or she fidgets or she has tics or whatever, doesn't mean you can't be friends with her. Like she's mm. still her, it's more than that. So that then those children that have that don't grow up with um, social isolation, stigma, fear, and in turn develops into depression, anxiety, and all this other stuff later in life that they take through into adulthood. Wow. Bit of a mission. Powerful stuff. See, I was gonna go, I was gonna take you down the line of what characters have you dressed up as. You've got a whole different level. We were building up to that. You've gone there straight away. So I just go straight in. No, it's all good. It's all very, very good. And such an exciting project. Uh wish you every success with that. I'm sure you will achieve that. Yeah. Um, but you have had you talk dressing up and stuff. You have uh played several characters on tour and stuff as well. Have you theater groups and Noddy? Uh, Fireman Sam. So, if anyone here has kids um, who watch Milkshake, Channel 5's Milkshake, um, or CBBS, you might be familiar with Kate and Mim Mim, which was a series on CBBS, and I did the live tour, the live UK tour of that in, gosh, 2018 now. And um, feels like a lifetime ago, but it feels like yesterday. Um, and I played Min Min, which was a giant six foot seven purple bunny rabbit, um, which I, I toured around the country in. Um, no one knew it was me. And then the year after that, I got snapped up by Milkshake, which is the Channel 5 kids TV show. And we did the Milkshake Live UK tour, which is still on now, if anyone wants to go. Wow. Um, unfortunately, I'm no longer in it, but it is an incredible show, so do go see it. Um, cheeky little plug there. Not even anything to do with me, because I'm no longer anything to do with it. But, you know, it's, it's a good show. It's a yeah. good show. Um, so the advert for that on TV, I did and I was Noddy, um, Shimmer and Shine, Fireman Sam, Digby Dragon. Some people are going to be going, what is this? Like they have no idea. And other people are going to go, Shimmer and Shine, like singing along. <laughs> I must admit the references are a bit hit and miss, but then again, I am like ancient compared to you. I'm 43, so I'm way down the road. I didn't know what it was. Noddy. I knew Noddy. Yeah, I knew Noddy and Feynman Sam, but the others, I had no idea. I had to do a lot of research. <laughs> so you kind of, I think it's been, it's really apparent when you talk, you're very passionate, said about your new project around yeah, yeah. mental health and hidden disabilities and stuff. And uh, you're very open. Uh, you were an attendee at one of my speaking academies recently. Which is incredible. Of- Thank you. And on the back of that, I had to book you to speak. So tomorrow, as we record this in June, tomorrow you are my guest speaker for the day um, because your your stories and your candor and the clarity that you shared some really kind of harrowing experiences um, was so powerful. You moved the whole room, a virtual room as well, which is not easy. But what I loved was it was authentic Mm. and it was real. And it wasn't dressed up in any other way. It wasn't a uh, a sob story. It wasn't like X Factor, kind of where Coldplay kick in in the background and play like fix yeah. you. It's, it's not about that at all. You, you spoke about it. And I, I think especially kind of given, said 26, you said? So especially given yeah. your age to have all these experiences. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our audience, because our audience here 
come from a, a deep desire for personal development, for mental health, yeah. people that want to cha- make a change. Yes. Share with them, share with me your story. Yeah, well, firstly, I'd say to anyone listening to this, don't be put off by the fact that, yes, okay, I'm trained as an actor. Okay, so what? Mm. I'm still a human being. Like, this Great is point. not scripted. This is not me turning on the acting skills or whatever. This is me as a genuine person. And Nick can clarify for that. So, Absolutely. you know, it's, I don't want people to, because I know that it can be quite intimidating and people go, oh, well, it's easy for her because she's an actor she's used to getting up in front of a screen or stage and and doing this but it's it's not easy like I I really had to push through those times to open up and speak up about it because I was terrified of the stigma I was terrified of um losing jobs because quite frankly there are so many white British brunette young slim five foot seven actor wannabes out there that have trained and are incredibly talented there's so many of us so any excuse to get rid of one people will take and it's not because it's discrimination as such it's just they have a decision to make and it's a business and they have to cut someone because there's like on average 2,000 people applying per one role so it's insanely competitive and I hid it for a very long time but I uh, live with eight autoimmune conditions um, including lupus which if anyone has watched house first off it is nothing like what it is in house (laughs) I know that in house they always go if they don't know what it is they go oh it must be lupus well (laughs) (laughs) I will clarify in a minute what lupus actually is because that was honestly the first thing my doctor told me when he gave me the diagnosis. He said, have you watched House? I said, no. He said, don't. <laughs> he was like, it's not a good reference. Um, but yeah, lupus. So your doctor is also a TV critic. I quite like that combination. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, TV critic come doctor or doctor come TV <laughs> critic. Um, so yeah, lupus, Sjogren's, psoriasis, cirrhotic arthritis, hypothyroidism, neutropenia, anemia, and uh, Raynaud's. So that all sounds like really fancy and stuff like that. And I promise the only reason why I know all those technical names is because I've been in and out of hospital <laughs> so many times in the last five years since I was diagnosed in 2017 that because of the way my mind works I'm quite observant and I'm due to my line of work I have to pick up things quickly so I'm just quite good at like remembering those sorts of names but trust me I had no idea what they were and when I first got diagnosed I was that naive 21 year old that went okay cool see ya I'm I'm gonna go live my life give me a call if you need me yeah you know that sort of thing and genuinely there was one point when they said you need to come into hospital now and I said well I can't because I've got work and then I'm actually meeting up with a friend um tomorrow would work better for me if that's okay because I've actually got a day off they were like no you need to come in now I said well if I don't go into work I'm gonna get sacked so what are we gonna do about that and we ended up having to uh, having a compromise of going to work and then going into the hospital. But, you know, I was just so driven and determined to make it as an actor. And at the time I was living in London, I had hideous rent to pay. I had to do every, like I had to turn up to work. I didn't have a choice. You had to be on top of your game 24 seven or else, like I said earlier, you dropped. Mm. Um, learned the hard way, not the way to go about it. <laughs> uh, ended up ended up in hospital for two months um, in Swindon, which is the nearest hospital to where my parents live, um, down in Gloucestershire. And that was because I had completely passed out on a job where I was uh, doing a kid's party as a scientist, don't even ask, um, for some very rich people in London. 
and I wasn't feeling well that day but I just thought oh, I'll just you know just push through you just got to turn up to job be present gave it all this show it was a big party I mean we're talking very expensive they owned the penthouse suite in imperial wharf that sort of thing and it was a full seven hour day party it was intense afterwards where there was a bunch of 10 year olds I was exhausted (laughs) and I went to go and see my best mate Sam who lived in Milton Keynes and I thought okay that's not far I ended up passing out on the train I literally, I was done. I was done. And I got there and luckily uh, my best mate, Sam, knew my parents quite well because we actually did the tours together, the the kids tours together. He had their number. So he called my parents and my parents on a Wednesday evening, bless them, they're like the best ever, drove all the way up to Milton Keynes, picked me up. I was still passed out and picked me up and drove me back home next day woke up I was in my parents house in my old bedroom and I was like what is going on (laughs) what have I taken you know I was like I've never taken drugs in my life apart from obviously medicated uh, (laughs) drugs disclaimer there (laughs) yeah disclaimer I'm talking about uh non-prescribed recreational recreational that's the one um I was like I've never taken drugs but did like someone slip me something because what is happening and uh and yeah ended up going into hospital but again didn't want to go in because didn't like the idea of it I just thought oh it's just such a waste of time they're just gonna say that I'm fine I'm just tired or they're gonna say that I'm overdoing it or something went in and the deal was that I would go in on three conditions one I didn't have any needles (laughs) two uh, no cannula is it the cannula that goes in the arm okay yeah all right and three I was not going to stay overnight two months later I'd had a cannula in for the whole two months I'd had 38 blood tests my arm was black and bruised and I'd been in there for two months um so that w- I ended up basically having glandular fever and tonsillitis but it was a really, really severe case of it because I had all these underlying conditions that were being diagnosed. And initially I was actually wrongly diagnosed with skin cancer. And again, they told me and I just laughed and I went, okay, cool. Um, I've got to go to work. So see you later. Um, And then they found out that it wasn't skin cancer. It was lupus. And um, just for reference, because I said I would, lupus is basically autoimmune condition where the best way to describe it is quite complicated but the best way to describe it is um when you get ill your body has like fighters and it will fight off the bad cells and go get out my body is basically rewired itself so it thinks that every cell coming past is bad so my body is basically attacking itself constantly so this results in major chronic fatigue because it's basically like um day-to-day living is like running a marathon I'm basically putting my body through a marathon run every day just to function and it's one of those things that um there's not massive research about it they don't really know how it comes about it's different for everyone I was actually quite lucky um that I got wrongly diagnosed because it meant that I started showing symptoms, which was on my face in the January of 2017. I was diagnosed by August with lupus and then everything else just kind of followed from there. But it normally on average takes six to eight years to get diagnosed, by which point, just because there's so many crossovers with so many symptoms could be something else or, you know, um, which is why house make a joke of it. Oh, it must be lupus, you know. And uh, yeah, so it it takes so long to get diagnosed that if, which it does happen quite often, it gets into an organ, let's say, what it will do is it will slowly over time break down that organ. So um, for example, Selena Gomez has got lupus. Some people might be aware of Selena Gomez. She, uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was, had to have a kidney transplant. And there was this big thing in the media about how her best friend had given her her kidney now that was because of lupus so the lupus had got into the kidney and it had basically broken it down so it wasn't 
functioning anymore. This can happen with your ovaries, it can happen with your liver, any organ basically. Um, so some severe cases involve transplants or removal of ligaments or, um, you know, like arms, fingers, anything like that. Um, so I'm actually quite lucky that it was diagnosed early and actually wrongly diagnosed because I ended up going on to a chemo treatment, which sounds horrific. And it granted, it wasn't pleasant, but as you know, Nick, and I, I like to think of things in a positive light and I'm actually really grateful for it because it's meant that it stopped. It, it killed it all off. Like it, the chemo was so severe, it stopped the lupus from spreading to any organs. So I was really lucky. And the only thing that happened was it went into my vocal folds. So my vocal folds, rather than being like that, had eroded half. So it's like that. Um, for a singer, an actor, not ideal, six months after you graduate, um, ended up having to have vocal surgery. Again, naive, didn't look it up, just carried on my life, was like, right, tell me when, where, I'll turn up, be there, you know. And uh, on the day, they, you know, do the procedure, they make you sign that form that if you die, it's not our fault, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> If you die of anything that we do, it's not our fault. Please sign here. Um, and and I and they were telling me about it, and they said, "So you know, there's a ninety percent chance that you'll um, never be able to speak or sing again." Wow. And I was like, uh, "Sorry, what? No, did not know that. No, that that minor detail seems to have been missed in all of these consultations. Uh, yeah, minor detail, but no, no, no one told me that." I'd already um, had the pre-assessment. My dad had traveled me up to London at, because I was living with my parents at this point because I wasn't well and I needed to recover. Um, and my mum didn't want to let me out of her sight, bless her. Uh, she wanted to protect me. So my dad drove me up from Gloucestershire to London for a 7.30 a.m. operation. So we got there for 6 a.m. because that's what apparently we had to do. We left at 2 a.m. and then they told us. <laughs> So I went through with the operation anyway, and I just thought, well, what will be will be. And I am a true believer that everything happens for a reason, even if you're unaware of what that reason is in that moment. There'll be somewhere down the line where something would not have happened if something else had happened sort of thing. So just kind of went into it, but I was brooking it and came out, obviously wasn't allowed to speak for a little while anyway, because it needed time to heal and I had um fat injected from taken from my stomach and put into my uh, vocal folds not gonna lie best prep for operation ever genuinely got told to eat six donuts a day to try and put on as much fat as I could I was like yes oh yeah okay. <laughs> I'm on that I'm gonna take this prep seriously <laughs> um because so you don't want to walk away from that one then you're quite happy with that instruction oh yeah. I was like yeah let's do this <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and then I managed to get my voice back completely after three months wow. simply because of all the vocal knowledge all the vocal training that I had had since I was six years old um so from that moment there was a switch and I was actually really lucky that I've always you know people have always thought I'm older than I am which is fine. I don't take offense to her. Um, hence why I dress like a child to try and remind them that I'm not older than <laughs> I am. Um, and yeah, they, I really grew up in that moment and I really kind of went, wow, I feel like a late thirties, early forties person with all of those mistakes and life experience. But in a 21 year old body, I was like, rather than thinking of it negatively, I thought, wow, how lucky am I that I've got that experience without having to go through all those mistakes. So I've actually gained 19 years on everyone else. It's the way that I thought of it. And from that moment, I thought there is no way that I am ever, ever going to take anything for granted again. And if I have a dream, I am going to full on go for it because 
you only get one shot and you don't know when or where it might happen. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. At least I gave it a go. I don't want to be going, what if I did this earlier? Or what if I really went for that rather than half-assing it? Like, what if? I don't want to ever be going, what if? I want to be going, oh, well. Yeah. Doesn't matter, you know? You'd be, so, yeah, it was that moment that kind of... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'd be bang within your rights, uh, even now, to have that kind of why me kind of screw the yeah. world kind of mentality. And I do sometimes. Yeah. I'll be honest. How I hard do. do you have to work at maintaining that positive mindset? Oh, it's hard. Really hard. Really, really hard. And biggest tip, surround yourself by good people, with mm. good supportive people that believe you. Because I made the mistake of, like most actors, we just want to be liked. <laughs> and I'm a massive people pleaser. I just want to be liked. So I am constantly growing up. I was constantly molding myself to different people to fit into their groups. I didn't want to be in one friendship group because I felt like I was going to get dropped at some point. I was going to be excluded at some point. So I thought, let's be friends with everyone. Then it doesn't matter if people drop me because I'll have other people to go to. Mm. Bad way to look at it. Um, <laughs> and I ended up surrounding myself with people that didn't believe me. And genuinely, when I got diagnosed, um, so when I got diagnosed with, incorrectly diagnosed with skin cancer, I was with a long-term partner for four and a half years. We were about to move in together. We had plans of getting married. Like he was going to propose in the next couple of years, like that sort of thing. I'd been with him for ages. And it was very much a done deal. And he was the only one that I told. I didn't tell my parents initially. And uh, he literally blocked my number that night. And ever since then, I have, I've never heard from him since. And that was five years ago. Wow. So wow. it's given me a lot of trust issues. And a lot of my friends left me. They said, being an actor, I think the, the hardest thing that I dealt with during that time was you're being dramatic, you're making it up, you're exaggerating, that's not what the doctors told you. And I was like, uh, I'm sorry, where were you in my appointment? Because I didn't see you. Um, if you were there, amazing, please do tell me what they said, because- oh, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's two things that really sum out with that. I think the first thing is kind of around that, that actually the fact that you even had to throw that disclaimer in at the beginning, though, even though I'm an actor, that's that shouldn't be the case. I think actually it's quite the reverse that we have this kind of. I remember the first time I decided to speak about my stuff. The title of the talk was called "A Showman's Life," that um, very much like acting in terms of professional speaking. That um, it was from a one of my favourite songs by a guy called George Strait, a country song. And basically, he was saying that whatever like rubbish is going on behind you, whatever you're carrying adversities and stuff, the audience demanded performance. So actually yeah. you end up doing that, that to the extent of actually they think you're untouchable. So therefore, if you do start to open up that stuff, it's, it's got a different agenda, but absolutely not. Um, the second thing is a really interesting one. That, I hear that a lot from people where they're kind of feeling ghosted in that sense that yeah. people will just kind of cut you out and that's it. I mean, how do you deal with that lack of closure? We all need that on old relationship or friendship. Oh, it's, it's horrible. And, and if I'm being completely honest, I still tr struggle today. Mm. There's, I've managed to very slowly over five years, I was heartbroken, mm. absolutely heartbroken. Over the last five years, I very slowly managed to let go of like sentimental things that I kept with me. There's still one photo album book that he made me for our first year anniversary because we loved traveling that's on that shelf over there. I can't let go of it, I can't. And that's something that I'm trying to work through mm. because I know that I need to let go of it. But there's all, I, I still think about him quite a lot if I'm being honest and I think about what would my life look like now? And then I think, wow, like I'm not angry at him. I was initially, but now I'm not. I genuinely sent him a message via social media. And I said, don't reply to this. I just want to say thank you. And it was a year later. And I genuinely am. That's not me like trying to play psychological tricks on him or whatever to get him back. Like I genuinely 
took me a while, but I'm genuinely in a place now where I'm so grateful that he did that because I would not be the strong, independent um, woman that I am today mm. if it wasn't for him. Now, granted, I have an amazing partner who is so supportive and so generous and so caring and giving. I would never have met him ever if exactly. I was still with my first partner. Yeah. And also, I, I was very much, when I was with my first partner, I was very much oh, please like me, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do, oh, yeah, I'll do whatever. You know, I didn't have a backbone. Mm. I didn't. I was um, 18 when I met him. He was 24. So it was all just, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll follow around like a little dog on a leash. And now it's like, no, actually, I don't want to do that. Um, feel free to go do it if you want. I'm more comfortable with my own body. Granted, I'm still insecure which a lot of people will probably watch this and go, oh, you're lying. Like, no, I'm genuinely very insecure. I think a lot of actors are, a lot of show people are, a lot of show people, especially comedians, have a lot of mental health issues because the reason why they are show people and the reason why they are comedians is because it's their escape. Yeah. It's what gives them an escape from what's going on in here. And that's very much still me. I still have therapy. Yeah. I have therapy once a week. I am working through a lot of childhood stuff. You know, there's a lot of things and I highly recommend therapy for anyone. I always thought, yeah, like <laughs> therapy is amazing. I always thought, oh, I don't need therapy. I'm confident. I'm an actor. I can go up on a stage and improvise in front of a crowd and I don't care. But I need therapy still. Yeah. There's a lot of personal uh in my personal life where it shows it yeah. doesn't show on stage of course because yeah. this, i put on a show you exactly. know exactly that that's that's the that's the kind of the the kind of the the screwed logic i guess that with what you do that it demands a mass performance in that sense yeah. because you have a scene to follow instructions to follow lines to follow I still very much use the stage as open therapy, but it's my show, so I can I can yeah. dictate the content. Yeah, that must be tough for, for somebody like yourself who's very open, but then has to to be yeah not hide behind that character, but to be that. No, character. but it's a balance. It's a yeah. balance for sure. And and I do a bit of stand up comedy and stuff like that, and so yeah. it's that scares that scares the bejesus out of me. Jesus, I love comedy. it. I love the thrill. <laughs> yeah. Um and. I love to make people laugh. So what I do with my stand-up comedy is I tell my stories and I just go, we're all human. Like literally every single one of us are made from the same stuff. We all come into the world in the same way. We all die at some point, fact. We are not too much different from anyone else. So let's just laugh about it, people, because- yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> life is better when we laugh and we're on each other's side so let's just have a laugh let's make the most of life and just help each other basically but that's why I like to be open it took me a while to get to yeah. that point because I was afraid but then you know I I kind of thought hang on if I don't get a job because of a label that I have that doesn't change how talented I am it doesn't change my intelligence it doesn't change the way I look, it doesn't change my ability to perform a job or to fulfill a role. It's merely a label. Mm. If I don't get a job purely because of that, do I really want to be working with those kind of people? Exactly. No. Exactly. It's an interesting one again, because most of the people that we've had on the show that have been from that kind of that traditional adversity to excitement kind of yeah. thing that you you have it's kind of like a, a, a parallel universe you have had that adversity to excitement as you so eloquently put it today but you also even today before we hit record you are still managing that adversity very much in real time yeah it's without a day to thing yeah and, and like i said without that closure without that kind of uh, and also with that kind of fear of the unknown which we all have but very much amplified the case with with the conditions that you're managing yeah the day-to-day like how do you kind of keep yourself well in terms of your well-being in terms of your 
mindset, how to keep focused when actually we're walking into the unknown all the time? Uh, so I'm still learning. <laughs> it's the honest answer. Honest. I, don't, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have a fix. And I and I'll be honest, I'm not very good at it at the moment. And it's very much a going too far that way, and then going too far that way, and going oh. I'm on the edge of burnout or going, oh, I'm getting a little bit lazy. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to find that balance and it's a constant balance, but I've kind of realized that for me, the way I work, the fact that I love the go, go, go. I love constantly trying to push myself and, and not let the conditions control me, but I want to share my story. I want to use my voice that I have that I nearly lost <laughs> to help other people keep their voice to create fun make people laugh bring brands to life bring brands to people bring products that people need to people and all that sort of stuff absolutely and and also help other people learn that they're not weirdos they're not alone it's okay if you think why me it's okay if you go life life's not fair because it's not no. It's really not. <laughs> no, it's not. And some people get it so easy and you look at the way they abuse their body and you just go, well, come on. Like, really? <laughs> they get it easy and they don't even care. They don't even, they're not even aware of how good they got it. And yet you're here and it feels like you're just pushing crap uphill constantly. <laughs> but do you know what? The crap ends up getting a little bit hard. <laughs> it sounds from sloppy to hard <laughs> going visual here it yeah. turns from sloppy to hard and it gets a little bit easier to push it uphill but you're always going to be pushing crap uphill everyone is and that's the beauty is that your problem you have every right to go woe is me yeah. why me but then also pop your head out your ass a little bit <laughs> and go what about everyone else yeah because I live with eight autoimmune conditions. I could have easily come on here. I've I've got a um, I've got a keyhole surgery in two weeks for endometriosis. I've which they've now said that I've got as well. I have been That's told to by, matters. you know extra 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 blah blah blah, and it's it's one of those things where I could easily go. I'm the only one dealing with this. I'm you know life's not fair. Everyone hates me. The world's against me. But then there's someone else who is dealing with something else and has got a load of crap going on themselves. And again, you wouldn't tell from looking at them, like looking at me, you wouldn't tell. Easily could have come on here and gone, everything's great, Nick. Yeah, wonderful. You know, life's awesome. live your dreams, blah, blah, blah. But that's <laughs> not real. It's not genuine. But it might be the way that I feel comfortable to cope. So yeah. don't you know, if people do put on that facade, don't be angry at them just because you're in a place where you feel comfortable and able to mm. be open. I feel comfortable and able to be open, but I know other people who don't feel comfortable and able to be open. I'm not angry at them and I'm also not trying to make them be open Yeah, because that's the way that they cope. I'm a performer. I like to share. I like to be open. Other people don't. They like to deal with it themselves and maybe tell one or two close people yeah absolutely i mean it's about dealing with it the way that works best for you yeah absolutely I, i'm absolutely behind you on that the you mentioned the love of what you do now uh kind of which is a great note to kind of bring this to a conclusion on because i could literally talk to you all day oh, um, yeah, okay. but <laughs> the broadband isn't strong enough to upload a whole video, whole day video so um <laughs> however you mentioned what you do now so the voice actor and voice over artist Yes. What's that look like day to day? You've got your own sound booth and everything, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I've got my own little home studio sound booth, um, which I was going to do this, this interview from, but then I'm not going to lie, people. It's June. It's hot. And <laughs> yeah. a home studio sound booth is not the place you want to be, but it's really hot. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. I love to create. I love to write. I love to problem solve. Ultimately, you know, I've I've had to go through a journey of going from I love being a voiceover artist to why do I love being a voiceover artist? 
And it's not because I get to do silly voices and every day is different. And one minute I get to be like Essex and then the next minute I'm like really posh and what have you. You know, it, it's not about that for me. I guess that's really fun. But for it's me... Fun. To be fair, it is fun. That's a bit I've been waiting for. <laughs> it's it fun. Yeah. It's good fun. I basically get to play all day. But it's really hard work as well. Like 1% of what I do is actually in the booth in front of the mic. 99% of it is admin, is marketing, is promo, is building relationships. Absolutely. And it made me realize that actually I love people. I love stories. I love hearing people's stories and I love helping people. And it sounds really cliche, but that's why I feel able to be so open because I want to help someone else who feels alone and feels like, their friends and family maybe don't understand to not feel so alone, especially during this isolating time that we're all in and to make them go, it's okay that you're thinking that you're not alone. There's so many people across the world, just like you Yeah, get support from people that understand, even if that is someone that you never meet, but have an internet relationship with or yeah. internet friendship with, who live in Australia or yeah. Germany and you never meet them, but you feel comfortable to be able to go, oh my gosh, my, my neck is really aching today. I just feel so, is, is this weather making anyone else feel really low? I feel really bad because all my friends are really happy and I just feel sick. And they go, I totally understand. And just having people in your tribe that understand you is more than having a really good friend that lives down the road, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the world's become a very small place, especially, well, us, for example, we've never met in person. Never but, met. Um, <laughs> it was through an introduction through a friend of a show, Zoe Thompson, originally. Yes. He said, I, I met Helena at networking. You've really got to chat to her. And I understand why now completely. She kind of gets that. But, um, but yeah, it, and I love that kind of synchronicity. Um, I think certainly over the past 18 months, that the work I now do in the US and South Africa has all come from the state of the pandemic so actually yeah. the overarching theme of what we're discussing here is actually from the biggest adversities the most positive experiences can come they can flourish from that yeah and I'm just take it. a step back yeah, take absolutely. a step back from every situation you're in it may look awful yeah but that's because you're like this yeah yeah take a step back and just Holy take respect. breather. It's your journey. It's your time. There's no right or wrong time to progress. If you've just been told that you've got a horrible illness, don't feel like you need to instantly go into a solution of how to fix it. If you need a month to just take it in, you take it in. Like it's your journey, your time. If you want to go straight in for it, cool, go for it. But just remember your life, like no one else's and don't, I always love to say, don't compare yourself to anyone else. And it's so easy to do with social media, but just imagine Instagram, for example, is everyone's front of stage. Yeah. It's the best of the best. It's what they've worked really hard behind the scenes to get perfectly polished and ready for the front. Absolutely. Don't compare your backstage to someone else's front stage. Love that. Cool. Love that. Thank you. With the accents, I guess the acting really helped you to develop that awareness of regional, but also, I guess, global accents. I know yeah. Yeah. from uh, a lot of the feedback I get from the US is not necessarily about my content, but they love the accent. So I'll, I'll, I'll take any praise. It's coming to me. But the, um, love an English accent. How, I mean, how did you kind of practice that? I mean, what, what accent do you, would you, do you really enjoy doing? Is there one that really stands out as, as an enjoyable accent you do? I love the Essex accent. I don't know why. I just love it. I'm just like, oh my God, yeah, I love the Essex accent, you know. It's just like, it's just so friendly and like, hey, you guys, everything's amazing, isn't it? You know, I just love it. And then um, I love a good northern one as well. A good sort of, hey, up, duck, would you like a cup of tea? Oh, you would? Oh, all right, then. Let's go down the pub, shall we? You know, that sort of thing. It's really fun. Um, but I guess I just, I, I've always been a parrot. Some people are parrots when they're kids and I would genuinely get into trouble because we'd have like an Irish person talking to me and, and I would just start talking back in like an Irish accent. 
and then I'd not be able to stop myself. <laughs> and it and they would think that I was taking the Mickey, but I just I my the way that I was working, I learned music from a very young age. So I was very sort of my ear was quite tuned in. And I just couldn't help it. I had to imitate, I had to copy. Okay. Um, Did you ever watch a show called The Mimic when it was on? No, I didn't. No, I'll send you the link. Uh, anyone else? Yeah, it's basically this guy who just gets really lost in that. Like, he just keeps on mimicking everyone. He kind of gets lost in that. Kind of get that. You're, and especially when it relates to acting or speaking or... Anyway, to bring this to a close, the question I ask everybody on this show is to set the scene up now, the MCVO2 arena. 20,000 people pay their hard-earned money to come and hear you do your Essex accent. I'm just about to call you to the stage and your walk-on music kicks on. That song that motivates you, that lifts you, gets you at peak state. What would that track be? It's a bit different. It's not the usual hype, oosh, oosh, oosh. It's not like that. It's um, I'm Me by Us, the duo. And I've got a little bit here that I can play you. Nice. Oh, it would help if I had it. Not Actually, really probably best we don't because I'll get stopped on YouTube then because it picks it up as a copyright. Yeah, it's only like 10 <laughs> This is not copyright. Ready, here we go. Nice. That's all we'll play. If you so want that, to look it up, I'm me. I'm the <laughs> yeah. So that and every other track from season two will be on the official playlist at the end of the season. Stay tuned for that. Helena, what an absolute treat. I've loved our conversation today. You will certainly be back for season three. I'm sure. A big round of applause to Helena Mitchell. Thank you so Thank much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been amazing. Big round of applause for Nick. Thank you very much. <laughs> And to everybody else, please stay tuned to the Forge Ahead Show Season 2, Episode 21. I have another amazing guest from the sporting world to bring you. So stay tuned and we'll be back soon. In the meantime, take care, stay happy, be well. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's a wrap. A big thank you for tuning in to today's show. Please stay tuned and hit subscribe for future episodes, bringing you amazing guests, sharing amazing content and amazing insights. Really excited to bring you these. The Forge Ahead Show is sponsored by nickelston.com. If you want to connect with me, you can find all the ways possible through the website. If you want to drop me a message, always great to hear from you. But in the meantime, if I don't catch you before, I'll see you at the next episode. And you take care, guys. Cheers now. Bye. Bye-bye.